0: WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
1: Someone may be hearing all of this and saying, yes, I see what you're saying about growth. Yes, I understand this is what Peter is telling us to do. But why is it important to grow? Why is it that important? After all, we're not saved by our growth. And that's true. We're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by that. We're going to get to heaven as believers, even if we are not growing. That's true. Why not just be content to be saved and not work so hard? After all, uh, we know, many of us know people who claim to know Christ, but they aren't growing. They aren't growing. Or if they are growing, it's so minuscule that it's hardly visible. So why should we be concerned about this? That's Those are valid questions.
2: There is no such thing as instant maturity, either in the social or the spiritual realm. Both take some effort and usually some help, too. The need for social growth is pretty obvious. But why grow spiritually if we know that God has already promised us eternal life? We have our tickets. Let's just wait for the train to get here and take us home. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will answer that question as we continue our study of 2 Peter, Chapter 1. Welcome. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And today we begin Pastor Steve's third message in this series about God's provisions for our spiritual growth. The primary and most important reason for us to grow in Christ is simply that God said He wants us to grow. but. I'm glad that our sovereign God also tells us why he wants us to grow. Some of that explanation is right here in chapter 1 of 2 Peter. So grab your Bible and follow along if you can. Here's Pastor Steve.
1: Was Voltaire the French skeptic who once said, God will forgive, that's his job. And I'm afraid that uh, many people associated with Christianity view God as only that that he forgives, and that's all that our salvation entails. But the New Testament states that the Christian life only begins with being forgiven by God. Then it's to continue as we grow in the Lord. And that's why Peter, when he wrote his first letter, stated in 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation but what peter only touched upon in his first letter concerning growth he expanded upon that in his second letter and that's what second peter chapter 1 uh, is is about at least the verses we're studying today and i'd like to read to you second peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 11 so follow now for this very reason Also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things you will never stumble. For in this way the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Now these verses tell us about spiritual growth. In fact they tell us several important truths about spiritual growth. And the reason that Peter gives so much information right here about spiritual growth and maturity is because false teachers, as you know, had infiltrated the church. These false teachers had become uh, part of the churches that uh, Peter's readers were involved in, and uh, they threatened these people's spiritual uh, growth and and their well-being. How? Well, not only were they teaching error Not only were they teaching falsehood, but they were living in such a way that was disgraceful to the Lord. And Peter, Peter's goal is to protect his readers from following these false teachers, from abandoning sound doctrine and sound living to going after them. And so the best protection for someone who is threatened by false teaching is to help them to grow. And the reason being is that those who are growing are not going to be susceptible and vulnerable to false teaching. Oftentimes we find that even today, people in cults, there are many people in cults who, who had some kind of background with uh, evangelicalism or fundamental uh, thinking. And, and maybe some of them are even believers, but they've gone astray. Why? Because they're not strong in the Lord. They don't know what they believe and they're not really growing in him. And so Peter, uh, his design in these verses is to help us to grow so we'll be strong and protected from following false Teachers And so Peter tells his readers what is involved in spiritual growth by giving them three key truths about the subject. As we saw last week, he tells us the first key truth about spiritual growth, and this is really an exhortation from him to us to grow, is this, the requirement for spiritual growth is diligence. It does not happen unless we put some effort into it. Now, it's not fleshly effort, but it's effort by God's strength and and the desire that he gives us. But uh, we read this in verse five, where Peter says, now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence, applying all diligence. By that, he means that the only way to grow in the Lord is to be uh, is by putting forth some effort, some strenuous effort. God has given us everything we need to grow Everything, he tells us in verses 3 and 4, that is uh, an infallible, inspired word that contains all the truths for our spiritual behavior. And he's given us a new nature which makes us capable of obeying his word. But we must exercise discipline by cultivating Christ-like character qualities. The discipline is so important, it will not happen unless we put some effort into it. And that's why Peter lists seven character qualities or virtues uh, in verses 5 through 7, that we are to add to our faith. God has given us faith. It's a gift. Those of us who know Christ have been given faith. We haven't mustered it in and of ourselves. We were once dead in sins and trespasses. God gave us not only the gifts of salvation, but the gift of faith. But we by discipline and effort are to add character qualities to that faith. He lists seven of them. He starts off in verse five with moral excellence. And that's, that's really an activity word. That's an action word. It means zeal. It, it's talking about applying the word of God to every area of our lives. It's a, it's a word used, as I told you last week, in ancient Greek literature of speaking of courage and bravery. It's, it's involvement. It's, it's the opposite of being passive. It's taking your faith and applying it to life situations. He says, add to your moral excellence, knowledge. Because you see, you can't have just activity without uh, an enlightenment of, of God's will. Otherwise, you'll be, you'll be running around and doing a lot of activity that will get you in trouble. Kind of like Peter was before, uh, before the Lord filled him with the Holy Spirit. So add knowledge. We're to know the Word of God. So our, our activity is based on an understanding of God's word and his will. Then we're to add to knowledge self-control, and that means basically that we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're not controlled by our own desires, our own passions. We put those passions under the lordship of Christ, and now we do what, what he wants us to do. We're to add to our self-control perseverance. That means endurance under pressure. Life has pressures, and for a believer, there are even extra pressures. There's spiritual pressures. There's satanic oppression and persecution and things of that nature. We're not to quit. We're to keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. We're to keep uh, eternity in mind, and we are to persevere. There is an end to the race. There is a finish line. We're to add to our perseverance, godliness. Godliness basically means a, a reverence for the Lord, a desire to please Him. We're not, we're not trying to cultivate these character qualities to make us look good. We're to cultivate these character qualities and do these things out of a desire and motive to please the Lord. And then number six is we're to add to godliness, brotherly kindness. That's, that's love for the brethren. That's sacrificial, uh, anything of sacrifice to minister to God's people to meet their needs. And then we're to add to that, we're to add love. And I take it that Peter means that we are to sacrifice for not only Christians, but for non-Christians. We're to, we're to care about them. Now, having said all that, it, it's not that that we're to work at being something we aren't. You know, we look at this list and we say, well, that's not me, and but I'll work at it. He's not talking about self-improvement. What he is talking about is, is the fact that if Jesus Christ lives within you, if he's given you his life and his nature, then these qualities are already there. You possess them, but they need to be developed, cultivated, and brought out, and that's where we're to put the effort into it. Now, when these character qualities are being developed in us, we are in the process of spiritual growth. Folks, this is what spiritual growth looks like. This is what it's about. We are being conformed to the very image of Christ. It is, as Paul said, my desire is that Christ be formed in you. That's that's it. This is it. Now, the question, and we need to stop and ask this question. This is very important. Someone may be hearing all of this and saying, yes, I see what you're saying about growth. Yes, I understand this is what Peter is telling us to do. But why is it important to grow? Why is it that important? After all, we're not saved by our growth, and that's true. We're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by that. We're going to get to heaven as believers, even if we are not growing. That's true. Why not just be content to be saved and not work so hard? After all, uh, we know, many of us know people who claim to know Christ, but they aren't growing. They aren't growing. Or if they are growing, it's so minuscule that it's hardly visible. So why should we be concerned about this? That's Those are valid questions. Those are valid questions because if you're not motivated to grow, you're not going to do it. So why, why grow? Well, Peter answers those questions and uh, Peter goes on to tell us the importance of spiritual growth. And he gives us two more key truths about it. And, and these will, will help you to understand why it's so important, why we must not be content to just uh, sort of as Voltaire said, God forgives and sort of that's his job. That's it. Why should we be concerned about moving on and pursuing spiritual maturity? Well, we looked at the requirement for spiritual growth, its diligence. What's the reason for spiritual growth? The reason, as we move on in our outline and move on in the text, is usefulness, productivity. Why should we grow? Let's, let's jump in at verse 8. We left off at verse 7 last week. We're going to look at the reason for spiritual growth, and the reason is usefulness. Peter writes, for if these qualities, he means these seven virtues, are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter states that if we possess these character qualities and they continue to increase in our lives, not that we once had them, but we don't see them anymore, but that it's a part of our, our beings, then he says we will lead spiritually useful Lives. He defines our usefulness to God by using two words actually in their negative form. He says useless and unfruitful. In other words, those Christians who are not maturing in Christ are useless and they're unfruitful. So, by contrast, if we are growing in the Lord, then we are useful and we are fruitful. Now, what exactly does that mean? Let's look at each of these words individually useless. This comes from a Greek word that uh, that means idle or inactive. Idle or inactive. It was used in secular literature to refer to those who were unemployed in the sense that if you're unemployed, you're not active. And if you're not active doing some work for, for someone or yourself, then you're sort of useless in that sense. Paul used this word in Titus to describe those who were lazy. In fact, that's how it's translated, lazy. James, interestingly enough, uses this word in his epistle, to, to refer to a faith that fails to produce good works, he says it's barren, it's dead. In fact, I think the authorized version translates this word barren. But literally, it's it's idle. But barren is, is helpful. So the thought is that those who are not growing the Lord are spiritually useless to Jesus Christ, useless to God. Their lives count for nothing. Their lives are barren, idle, useless as far as producing anything of value for the kingdom of God's sake. In fact, there are some believers who are genuine believers, but there's so little fruit in their lives, and they they are not growing, at least at this point in their lives, that they cannot be distinguished from unbelievers. They cannot be distinguished from unbelievers. And that's very difficult, especially if you're the pastor doing their funeral, and you've got to try to say some positive things about them spiritually, uh, so don't let me catch you doing that, because... It'll be too late for you, but I've got to do your funeral. I want to be able to say, this person was growing the Lord. We know that this person was a believer. And that's why, and I think this is important, that's why so many Christians are not involved in serving the Lord. It really has very little to do with how busy they are, how active they are, how they don't have enough time. We all have the same amount of time. Nobody gets more than 24 hours a day. The issue boils down to being spiritually useless because they're not growing in the Lord. There's an old saying where there's a will, there's a way. If your heart wants to serve Christ, if you're growing, you will want to serve him. If you're not growing, you're too consumed with yourself. You see, only growing Christians think about benefiting others. Everybody else is just stuck on themselves, and that's really the issue. So if you are not active in uh, any ministry in the church, Uh, perhaps a church program ministry or uh, something personally that you're doing, uh, then you need to consider that your inactivity just reveals a lack of growth. You need to be growing. When you're growing, you'll be useful and serving. In fact, that's why, remember the passage in Ephesians 4 where Paul says that To the church, Jesus gave some apostles and prophets and and evangelists and pastor teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, which means the maturing of the saints. You mature by taking in the word of God and applying it to your life. For the work of ministry. What work is he talking about? Your work of ministry. Pastors are to teach you the word of God. You grow by taking in the, the word of God and, and you get active in serving. God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities. You serve, you minister, you're active for him. It all ties together. Spiritual growth leads to usefulness. A lack of growth leads to uselessness. Now, that's the first word, useful. He uses another word here, unfruitful, and basically this word expresses sort of the same concept, though it is a different word, same concept of being useless. The word literally means to be without fruit, Uh, That you know, and unproductive. It's a picture of a tree that doesn't produce any fruit. Now, what kind of fruit is a Christian supposed to produce? I think that there are some who are confused about this, but let me try to simplify it for you. The Bible calls any righteous behavior and attitude that comes from us fruit. Anything that comes from us in terms of righteous behavior or attitude is fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, for example, we read about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is character, godly character, produced by the Spirit of God in us. And it manifests the, the Spirit's character, which is really the same character as Jesus Christ. So there's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. But fruit is not only that. Do you realize that fruit is also praise? If you were singing from your heart and really praising the Lord before in these songs and choruses and, and hymns, then you were producing fruit because the writer to the Hebrews says in Hebrews 13.15 13, that the fruit of our lips gives praise to God. That's very important, we're, and, and he's he enjoys that. Winning people to Christ is also referred to as fruit. Paul referred to this in Romans chapter 1, verse 13, when he said that I have uh, had fruit, and he's talking about there, about winning people to the Lord. He said, "I, I hope to bear some fruit, produce some fruit when I come to see you at Rome. So fruit is any righteous behavior or attitude that comes from a believer. It can be a host of things, not limited to one thing. So listen, according to, P- to Peter, the reason we need to be growing and the reason God wants us to grow in him is so that we are useful to the Lord. Our lives count for eternity. We're productive. We're bearing fruit. We serve the Lord. We're active in his church. We lead fruitful lives. And he said in John fifteen eight that my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. God is glorified by that. The reason that you and I, need to grow is because God is glorified by our lives, which become useful and productive as we grow. Now, an important question that we need to ask is this, and I want you to listen closely. I don't want anyone to misunderstand this because whenever you get into these issues, people inevitably misunderstand. So listen closely. Question is this, do all Christians produce righteous fruit in their lives? Or to put it another way, Can someone be a real Christian and never produce any spiritual fruit? Is that possible? Can someone who knows Christ never grow in Him? That's a valid question to ask. It ties into the whole lordship of Christ issue. It ties into the whole issue of repentance. It is a critical question to ask. Well, I think Jesus dealt very clearly uh, with this, uh, this question, this issue in two specific places in the New Testament. I'd like you to turn first of all to Matthew chapter seven. Question is, can someone be a real Christian and never produce any spiritual fruit? In Matthew chapter seven, which we looked at before, but it's good to come at it from another angle and refresh our minds. In Matthew chapter seven on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, beginning in verse 15, he said, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are savage wolves. They may appear on the outside to be kind and gentle, but inwardly they are, they are wolf-like. They're the false teachers who want to lead you astray. He said, you will know them by their fruits. You'll know them by their behavior, their attitude, so forth. Grapes are not gathered from bushes nor figs from thistles, are they? And watch this. Notice this, how... Um, how all-inclusive this is. So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. And he just continues. This doesn't stop in verse 21. The thought continues about those who bear fruit but these people bear bad fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now in these verses, Jesus has made a contrast between believers and unbelievers believers are said to bear good fruit. In fact, he said in verse 17, every good tree bears good fruit. All believers bear good fruit, he said, and their fruit comes in the form of obedience, obedience to God's word. Unbelievers, on the other hand, bear bad fruit in the form of disobedience. He goes on to illustrate this. Regardless of what one professes to believe or their impressive religious activity, even if, if it would be prophesying or uh, something as dramatic as casting out demons or performing miracles, Jesus said they will perish. He said, depart from me. Why? Because these people bear bad fruit in the form of iniquity or lawlessness. He said, depart from me, those who practice lawlessness. They didn't just disobey once in a while. What he he meant by this is they constantly and consistently produce disobedience, regardless of their religious activity. In fact, I could just think in the Bible of of a man like that. His name was Judas Iscariot. Judas was never a believer. Judas performed miracles, cast out demons. He was sent out by Jesus with the other apostles. He did all the things that that they did. He preached. He cast out demons. He performed miracles. But Judas was a man who the Bible calls the son of perdition, and he went to his own place. Judas was a lost man, so close and yet so lost. So only Christians are able to produce good fruit. And the question is, why? Why is that so? Why is it that only believers, Jesus said, can produce good fruit and everybody else produces bad fruit?
2: We'll have to leave that question unanswered for today. But Pastor Steve will have the answer on our next Verse by Verse. If you want to study ahead, I can give you a hint. Read John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8 for Jesus' explanation. It's not only illuminating, it's also pretty sobering. Thanks for tuning in. Verse by Verse Ministries is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where Steve Kreloff serves as the teaching pastor. We invite you to come visit Lakeside if you're in town on a Sunday and looking for a place to worship. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. Find out more at lakesidechapel.com or call the office at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714 or lakesidechapel.com. Let me take a moment to tell our blind listeners about a special offer. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. And speaking of free audio, don't forget about the free Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. You'll find hundreds of previous broadcasts, all freely available for streaming or download, so I hope you'll take advantage of that resource. There's also a giving page if you'd like to help fund the production and airtime costs needed to keep Verse by Verse coming to your radio. We're deeply thankful to and for the generous and thoughtful listeners who undergird this ministry. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Let me ask you a hard question. Jesus told us that all true believers produce spiritual fruit, right? But what if you're not seeing these virtues listed by Peter in your life? Does that mean you're not saved? Well, it might, but then again, it might not. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve helps us resolve that spiritual puzzle.
0: You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. By- if you're concerned about.